attitudes are beginning to change. A stigma surrounding dyslexia. Muddled messages were received the by the brain. Dyslexia. Well, my whole view is dyslexic. It's kind of you see anything is dyslexic. Dyslexia. Hello, I'm Elizabeth. And I'm Charlie. And you're listening to Move Beyond Words. In this podcast, we are exploring dyslexia in all its surprising, creative, and often misunderstood forms. Each week, we invite different guests to talk, listen, and share. Expect authentic, off-the-cuff stories to connect with and learn from, as the hosts explore and celebrate the ways in which we can all move beyond words. This episode is a bit of a special one. This month, we spoke with AJ and Curtis Pritchard on a live webinar hosted by the British Dyslexia Association. The conversation involves some dance, so I hope you've got your ballroom shoes at the ready. In the chat, we spoke about their childhood interest in extreme sports and how dance became an advantage during school. And they gave us an inside look into working on RuPaul's Drag Race and Strictly Come Dancing, some of the biggest TV shows in the world. We hope you enjoy listening to this episode as much as we enjoyed hosting it. You're listening to Move Beyond Words, and this is our live recorded episode with AJ and Curtis Pritchard. AJ and Curtis Pritchard, the talented brothers of TV personalities and professional dancers, and they both discovered they had dyslexia at a young age, and they believe that this actually had a positive impact on the people that have become today. Thank you for joining us, AJ and Curtis. Are you there? Can you give us a quick wave? Brilliant, thank you. And now I will leave you in the very capable hands of Charlotte and Elizabeth. Over to you, I believe Charlotte, you're going to kickstart our webinar for us. Well, hello and welcome. AJ, Curtis, thank you both for joining us today. Elizabeth and I are really looking forward to talking with two fellow dancers who happen to be dyslexic. Now, everyone's dyslexia is different. So AJ, we'd love to start by asking you, when did you first find out that you had dyslexia? Um, I found out, first of all, no, thank you. Hello, everybody. It feels very weird sat here in my living room. Um, it's quite warm today, so if we do sweat, it's, um, I'm going to blame it on that. <laughs> anyway, sorry, back to the, back to the thing. Uh, yeah, we were quite lucky because we found out that we had dyslexia very, at a very young age. It was in primary school. And I think the nice thing was our teachers were very, very forward with realising. And for us as children, and me especially, it allowed me to move forward and really work on my my assets, the things that I found really good, you know, my social skills, my creativity, and also work on the things that I struggled with, which was, for me personally, with my dyslexia, was reading and writing was just my, it just didn't come together. It, it was just jumbled up, uh, whether I'd be reading, I'd miss sentences, I'd miss words, which I still do. And if it was writing, I, I just took forever, just doing nice, slowly joined up writing until I got there in the end. But um, the thing was, it was always about getting there in the end. It was never about giving up. It was all, always about finding what works for you. And Curtis, it'd be great to hear your story also. Yeah, so I um, AJ was first discovered with dyslexia. And then I sort of, everyone knew I had it because of the traits. It was the same as AJ. It was the reading, the writing, getting mixed up with sentences and spelling, well, let's just say, Spell check won't even find my spelling. No, also, <laughs> correct. 
that's yeah there. so that is a massive key thing which i still still struggle with today and um whenever i'm doing an instagram post or anything to do with that i actually um I'll constantly ask you, I don't know why I do ask you, because you struggle as well, but I'll ask Abby as girlfriend or I'll ask anyone around, because that is a massive thing for me, really. That's the spell inside. But I didn't really want to be dyslexic, actually, no. when I was younger. You know, <laughs> I was actually a bit scared of it. I was afraid of what it was. You know, I didn't know what it was. And because you had it as well, I think as a sibling rivalry here, I was a little bit like, I don't want to be the same as AJ. So as well as I tried to sort of deny the fact that I had it. It was clearly obvious. Um, all of the teachers noticed it, everybody in school. And then eventually I got tested and I, I was dyslexic. Um, so yeah, but I definitely think it's a positive and it has really, really contributed to the characters that we are and, and what we've become today, really. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it sounds like it was really helpful having a a sibling who was going through a similar experience. But was your experience different, AJ, in terms of having a sibling with dyslexia? Um, I think the best way to describe us, we are brothers, we're very close together, we do everything together, we're 15 months apart in age. Wow. And if I had something, Curtis, as he said, could not have that. But what was really <laughs> key for us is we, we both, we found our own way of dealing with it. For example, like, for me, it was always about just repetition and repetition, just doing something again. So I remember it, whether that be having to, which was good in primary school, we had to do lots of plays. So we had to learn lines and talk in front of hundreds of people. And it was really important for me to be able to look confident and feel kind of like, feel happy in what I'm doing. So I would literally spend all night just reading and reading and reading until I would learn the same thing that I was comfortable with it. But I think what was really hard was the fact of the matter, it's just like you see somebody do something really well, whether that be a classmate or a teacher reads something out and you're like, well, I'm never going to be able to just pick a book up and read that sentence straight away. I'll have to at least read it in my head silently before I can read it out loud. So I know what I'm saying and I've got it in the correct order. But knowing that Curtis had the same trait, it was... We did, we did learn the same way. It was just repetition. I think that's mum and dad like. Yeah, that's what I was just about to say. I think we were actually very, very lucky because our mum and dad, they really, really helped us out. They never said never. They never said you can't do this or you'll never be able to do that. Whoever you are and whatever you are, there's always a way to whatever you want to do. It's just finding what works for you. And that's what our mum and dad really sort of drilled into us from a young age. It's not, you can't do that. If you're struggling with the reading or the writing, it's let's find a way. Yes, it may take you a little bit longer, but that's not such a bad thing because, for example, if I'm writing a sentence now um, and I struggle with it and I actually can't spell a word and there's no one around to ask and spell check won't find it and Siri on my phone won't even help me out, then I will have to change that whole sentence around. And I think of it like this, look, now I've got this whole sentence in my head and I've just learned a whole nother way of describing the same thing. So really, I'm making myself more knowledgeable, more better. And that's why I always say dyslexia for me and really for you is it's a positive. You know? Yeah, it's definitely been for us the social skills. And when it comes down to that creative side, like we, when we were kids, mom and dad were very, very focused on you are still kids. So we did extra work within school hours, but then after school, we would build dens and, and do things that creatively made our brains think like, oh, how do you create a structure? Like that architectural side, like we always use that. And I think 
when it came into the dancing at the age of 12, I just loved doing the choreography and I loved being able to like think about things in different ways than other people would. Everybody else would always start going at A and go B, C, D and work the way that it should be done. Whereas I would always start the complete opposite way. I would see something. I wouldn't be able to write it down. I wouldn't be able to maybe put it into words exactly, but then I would put it into actions. And it always got there in the end, but it's just finding what works for you. And I think that's the hardest thing, especially when you're young and people tell you, you should be learning it this way. Wherein the matter of fact is, well, you need to listen to your heart or your, your family say, well, and learn the way that you know is right. Yeah, and I think that's why dancing and for you two as well, being dancing in, yeah. in dance, that's why it's so amazing because nothing is really right or wrong. You know, yeah. you can just express yourself in any way you want. And it's just to music and it's enjoyment and it's just putting a smile on your face. And I think that's why dancing is so amazing and we can express ourselves. And it's sort of why we became, I don't want to sound big headed here, but quite good in the dancing really so yeah. yeah on social media you know you're saying it, t- it takes quite a long time to write those posts I mean I could spend 45 minutes to an hour just trying to get those spellings right but you've both been so active in talking about your dyslexia online and is that a new experience you know sharing your stories outside of your family with regards to your dyslexia uh, yeah. A little bit, sort of. It was a time period. It's, it's, we, we've always so busy, aren't we? But yeah. when it came down to pure lockdown and everybody was being homeschooled, and I think what changed in our life, rather than being on the front of the camera and actually being there, but we had to come up with new concepts for documents that we want to do as in TV ideas, rewriting shows that we're going to be doing next year. And it all came back down to sitting down at a table with a paper and a pen and having to write it out. And actually feeling like, not, not stupid, because that's that's a really negative word to use the word stupid, but taking a lot longer than maybe I would have thought I would have. And then it was actually realizing, well, no, I am dyslexic. It does take me longer. And just mm-hmm. if I'm feeling like that and people see us on TV and think, well, it's easy. You've got everything. Like you don't spend hours doing this. It's quite nice for the people and the kids themselves that are being homeschooled or the parents that are seeing their kids maybe having to work a bit harder than they thought that kid was good at reading and writing and maybe actually is not so good at reading and writing. I think it's kind of brought to light a lot of situations within families where they have to work harder. So for us, it was definitely having to sit down, rewrite documents. It kind of sparked our brains. And we thought, how can we use our, our platforms to really help other people? And I think certain things, like even like I do every single day now, especially in lockdown, I'd make sure I'd pick a newspaper up and read a paragraph out loud to kind of test my brain because we have to read a auto cues. We have to read things. Mm. I like to get the auto cue the day before so I know it off by heart. So so I don't even have to look at it. But things always change on the day. Something's always different. So being able to think on your feet and have to read stuff straight away because I will be the worst. I will miss a line. I'll miss a word and it will mean a whole different thing than it should mean. And it's, it's not always the best, but then it comes It's back. exciting though, right? Yeah, yeah. One so of the good. biggest things as well is it because we, we do do a lot and we, we record some stuff and when we have said it wrong, it isn't taking it too serious. Mm. If something wrong or it's mixed up or jumbled up, laugh about it. Don't let it get you down because everybody makes mistakes or does something in a different way. And I think we will always sort of take the mick out of each other really a little bit in a supportive way though. We'll be fun with it. And if something goes wrong, we don't just let the whole world rest on our shoulders. It's gone wrong. Uh, it absolutely. doesn't. 
Yeah, we're, we're all human. We all make mistakes. I think that's that's the thing. It always comes back down to we all we all have that same feeling. Absolutely. And and just to jump back a little bit, Curtis, did you find it hard to be honest when you were struggling in school? I um, yeah, a little bit. I did, to be fair. But I was very lucky with how supportive my mum and dad were, and also how supportive the school was as well. Really. Um, our deputy head, uh, head teacher, she really helped us out. She allowed us to drop a couple of subjects in school. So in times of when we were struggling and we did miss a little bit of school to do, uh, to do with our dancing, we were allowed to drop some subjects so we could go and catch up on our core subjects such as maths, English, science. So it gave us that little bit of extra time and that, I'm not even joking, was it was really a yeah. lifesaver. That helped so much because it allowed us to just have that little bit of extra time to relax, settle down, catch up, go over everything, and therefore let it settle in. So I think that was uh, the key thing, having yeah, a supportive moment uh, a supportive school. Well, talking of dance, to switch things up a little bit now, we'll be having a couple of short movement breaks throughout this conversation just to keep our focus and attention. And it'd be great to hear if these dance breaks help you at home to keep your focus. Feel free to share your movement through the hashtag MoveBeyondWords. We'd love to see you. And remember, there's no right or wrong, as Curtis said, when it comes to creativity and no one is judging, so let loose. And AJ and Curtis, we would love to see you involved here as well. So Charlie, over to you. So guys, find a space in the room and if you're sitting down, that's that works as well. And Curtis and AJ, I can see you. I'd like you to do this as well. <laughs> so what I'd like you all to do is pick a body part. I'm going to pick my elbow, but you could pick your shoulder, your head, your knee, your foot. And this is going to act as a tool. This is going to be our paintbrush. So what I'd like you to do is imagine now a set of paint pots in front of you and pick a particular color that interests you. So I'm gonna pick green. Dip your paintbrush or your body part in the paint. Now take a step back and look at the canvas in front of you. We're now gonna write with our body part, our name. I'm gonna start by writing a giant round C. Now as you start to continue writing your name, let the movement flow and think about the weight of the letters, think about the speed of the writing, think about the shape, is it small or large? And think about the style, is it fluid and squiggly or is it straight and sharp? I'm gonna give you some time to do this. Now take a moment to step back and take a look at the canvas in front of you. See the creation that you've made and visualize your name in front of you. For us, when we're stuck, we use movement as our language. And as dancers, we find that a useful tool. And we want to share that with you to add to your toolbox. I like that. Yeah. I really enjoyed that. You said it's intro <laughs> green as well. We went for That's an elbow. That's what I chose as well. 
Well, thanks everyone. It's, it's great to just take a moment away from the screens and refocus ourselves. I think Dance breaks definitely help me when I'm working at my laptop a lot. And thankfully I work alone because um, otherwise it'd definitely kind of make a scene in the office, wouldn't it? If I started jumping up, making colors and letters with my body. Um, but talking of ways we work best, um, Curtis, did you have certain ways of learning in school that were that may be a bit different? I always preparation was for me so it was the same as what AJ said um, I would always try and read something in advance the main thing for me was reading in school this is what I struggled with and what I was most scared of actually was because right you're in an English lesson you know when you have the book that you have to read whatever and everyone's reading it around the class and somebody reads it and it's um normally a female which is incredible at reading and then I'm and then it's going to come to me next and I'm thinking I know it's going to come to me next year and I'll start sweating and I'll start panicking because I'm going to think I can't read it as good as her but then I would try and switch my thought around and actually think let's challenge yourself so this was my sort of coping mechanism was challenge yourself you can do it if she can do it or he can do it you can do it so let's find a way and let's see but I would always try and read ahead in the book I'm not gonna lie just it came to me so then I'd read the words already slightly so I could read that a little bit slower and I could try and keep myself ahead of myself it didn't always work um well, I think I think one thing that you would always do which was kind of a game with our moms which would probably tie into why we love dance and performing she always was like you need to say it out loud you need to put yeah, exactly. it out there whether that be a lot of the times we would actually stand up and actually read so that we've actually connected it to a movement. So when you stand up, you obviously, you draw your shoulders back, your chest is out, you feel confident in what you're going to do. And that's what mum would, mum and dad would always she would say. Make and you do that much, yeah. Up and up, because if you're confident in your shape, you're going to be confident in what you say. Yeah. Even if it's the wrong words in the book, but you've said it confidently. So definitely <laughs> out there is was something that was very tied into our life quite a lot, rather than kind of keeping it, this feels quite negative and quite quite shy and embarrassing, whereas it was, even if it's wrong, you've said it, you've done it confidently, and that was very key for us. Yeah, that's absolutely something that I can resonate with, and I think in ballroom dance as well, you're always like proud chest, proud chin up, you know, God, the amount of times I remember my mum saying, chin up, Elizabeth, chin up, <laughs> you know, and just be proud of who you are and who you're presenting yourself to be. It makes such a massive difference in everything you're doing. Like um, if you do have bad posture sometimes, you can naturally feel a little bit almost defeated straight away. And whether it is if you're coming to reading or you're doing maths and you're struggling with that, if you're already in this feeling, you're going to struggle a little bit more. And I think that mm -hmm. dancing helped us so much in school and stuff because we were always good posture, head up. So we always went into any situation, whether we were scared or not, with almost confidence. And I think if you're going into a situation with confidence, you're gonna have a little bit of a head start already. Yeah, And that's a key thing to think about really. Yeah, I, f I think we, we've all been inspired by movement, obviously. So I just wanted to know who was influenced by dance first? Um, it's a funny one really, because our dad was a professional dancer. So it's sort of, it, we, in the family, we were yeah. always around it. We didn't dance until, didn't start dancing until about 11, 12. We were into extreme sports, weren't we? we we've always, <laughs> the, the best way to explain it. Okay, 
Dad's a dancer who never wanted us to dance. Yeah. So very simple. The reason why we were into extreme sports um, and that kind of being kids and lads was because Dad was like, here's a quad bike, here's a snowboard, here's anything to make you not dance. But dance was always something that we were around and dance was something we always understood. And when we started dancing at the age of 12, I think what was really key for us is we started off, we did some, we did awful over there. But the reason why we continued with that was I feel like we connected the way that we used our energy in a positive way to help everything else, whether that be counting and doing the numbers of, of, of different rhythms or understanding the kind of memory of choreography and having to tie all these things, it helped everything else. And I think what's really key with even if you're doing basic dance and you just feel quite quite confident in doing something very simple, it gives you that confidence to go and stand up in front of your, your peers in assembly and, and talk or, or you go for a job interview. You're more likely to get the job because you, you feel confident walking through the door. And I think it, it really connects dancers, not just dance. dance. Most dancers don't end up making dance purely their career because of different things, but they always take the positives from it and then apply it to their subject or their professions. Yeah, because we actually, we did a dance, I think I was in year seven and you were just in year eight, and we actually did a dance in front of the whole school we did. Um, wow. With the uh, deputy head and the head teacher. Yeah, the deputy head for art, so she was willing to get up in front of the school. Yeah, and so, yeah. And then they made us teach them a dance to do in front of the whole school. And actually, that was one of the best things we could have ever done because it made everyone realise that we're confident and sort of protected yeah. and stall and made us feel feel good because the amount of compliments we got after that was incredible. I, so I think what was really good as well, being confident in someone and having a passion, it always inspired the teachers because obviously the teachers work hard. They work day in, day out, and, and they're trying to inspire so many kids. And some kids are not the most helpful. That's just a fact. So seeing kids that are willing to go out there and, and put themselves out there, it inspires the teachers to think, actually, maybe I should put something more inspiration into my classes and work that bit harder sometimes. I know it works both ways. And, and sometimes our teachers did kind of see us work so hard. So they went a bit above and beyond to help us or help other students. And I think sometimes that's something that we never really talk about, but it's definitely when you do a job, whether that be I'm teaching on Strictly and I'm doing 16 hour days, you get tired. It, it's quite easy to become quite boring and just say, go and practice. Like you've got to find new ways as a teacher creatively, as much as the students learning. Sort of as like a follow on from approaching things in different ways. AJ, did you find that you had to apply strategies in school to help you organize your time or balance your school life and dance classes? I think I'm very different to Curtis. <laughs> we'll put it this way. If I do something this way, Curtis will definitely be doing it this way. I am, I'm very OCD. I'm very very precise down to the minute how I do things. So for me, my life is built on strategy and timing. So I would always apply that to the way that I would train and the way that I do everything in my dancing. And that definitely applied to the way I did my schoolwork and my timing. I think our teachers were very helpful. They understood what our passions were um, and they allowed us to use our time in our own way. I think what I'm trying to say here is I was a very unique kid because I had to do it or else I would lose the plot. Like my pencils had to all be sharpened at the same length. Like I was oh. crazy. Like I, I'm much healthier now. I, I'd say I'm not, not that I wasn't healthy. It sounds very bad. So disciplined. Like but I was like, no, if like it's in the wrong place, 
everybody's going to know about it, guys. <laughs> I was very much more uh, of an emotional character, so I went off my feelings, how I yeah. felt in the day. So if, if I was feeling really good, you got the best out of me. If I was feeling not so good, you got the worst out of me. <laughs> so I think to the question, we haven't really given you an actual answer, <laughs> but um, coming down to time scale, yes, I definitely use my time as wisely as possible. And, and for me, it just keeps coming back down to the same thing, any subject. For me, it was just repetition. Like, it's the only way that I my brain took it in and, and that's the only thing that has ever worked for me. So that's all I ever do. I just repeat the same thing until I know it and then I feel confident and out loud. And something that I actually do now all the time is because we do a lot of meetings and um, I am not so good if somebody's just talking to me. I'm a very visual learner. And I think that is to do with the dyslexia, I think visually looking at somebody and, and, and being talking to them in that way and dancing or seeing them do that i learn so now if somebody is just talking i'll always carry a little notepad around with me and i'll jot things down whatever it is i mean it, it's literally scribbles but it's just mm. key little points which resonate with me and i think that is one of the the key things that i do now and i've learned to do that that helps me out so so much yeah you don't you don't thing. remember something that's not wrote down not Actually, that i can read his writing but um, but he prefers more colourful charts or, yeah. or and that's why your example. If somebody was dancing in front of me and I was watching them, then I'd learn that way, and that's what I love to do. Or whether it was extreme sports, and I think that was a big key thing for me. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you know it definitely does. Um, but does do you feel dyslexia plays to your strengths in in your career, Curtis? Let's jump to you. Oh, hundred percent, it plays to my strengths. Um, I would not be the person I am or as descriptive as I am when I'm on camera or doing anything if it wasn't because of dyslexia. I do truly mm. believe that because there's been in situations where I felt, I felt worried. I felt scared. I felt like I can't do this. And I felt all of these emotions and that sort of actually makes me think other people feel these emotions and I never want anybody else to feel like that because I never liked it. And I think dyslexia made me very aware of all of these different cases. And I feel like it really put me into the position of, of being more aware on camera, more descriptive and more appealing to everybody, really. Because I don't just label myself off to this or to that. I think I try and if I say something to this, I know that somebody else may feel something different. So then I try and like mold around everything, really. I think dyslexia really opened my brain up and opened my mind up, actually, to different feelings, different emotions, and different people's thoughts. Transitioning into us talking about our careers, AJ, I'd love uh, for you to talk to us about your time on Strictly and how dyslexia has played a part. I think um, it's weird when you say like, oh, you don't exactly go into a job interview and say, hey, I've got dyslexia or something like that. <laughs> Well, I think one thing that is key is is knowing your strengths and your weaknesses. And when it comes to a situation like, for, for me, the choreography and the teaching and talking and the social skills was such a positive thing in getting different jobs. And Strictly was a weird thing. It kind of, it felt like for me, it was like, it just happened. Then suddenly I was on TV overnight. Um, but what was very key for me with it comes down, when it comes down to dyslexia, it is like they say, we want you to, read off the autocue today on the results show and say something. I'm like, yeah, that's fine. But I need to get the information 10 minutes before. Or I need to have it the night before so I can read through it and do the job 
that the job's justice, like give it its 100%. And I think what's really key, like some, in our industry, I think it's very good. And in some industries, it may be seen quite negative if you, if you, negative if you say you've got dyslexia. But one thing that, which I remember actually, last year we, we both did pantomimes actually. Yeah. And my time scale was, it was ridiculous. Like I was doing strictly. Just before you actually say this, yeah. this is where having a brother with dyslexia actually came into a massive advantage for me. Because, right. as, as you say, you'll see. Oh, it's when I say, I forgot what I was going to say. No. Um, <laughs> so my time time was ridiculous. Like I finished Strictly and I started Pantomime the next day. And I was doing two and three shows a day. But I had to learn pretty much a whole script within a day. And when they came to say, oh, we're going to do, we're going to do script reading today. I was like, what the hell is script reading? And I was like, obviously, it's reading the script. But we sat in a circle. We had to read the script. And they were like, do you want to read? And I was like, I was sweating more. From reading a script and that final script, like it's ridiculous because I didn't know the words, I didn't know anything. But what it comes back down to is, I said I've got dyslexia. I find it a bit hard. I'm I'm probably going to take a lot longer than it's it should take. And they were like, it's fine, whatever. But what they saw is the next day, I'd literally learned the script off by heart because I just kept going through all night and every night. Wow. Then them as the cast, which may have thought, oh, how the hell is he going to learn the script? This is going to be hilarious or the producer, then they see you, how hard you work, much harder than anybody else. And that guarantees, for example, you're going to get that job. I'm going to be booked for next year because they can rely on you because they know that you see what is your weakness. And it is a weakness when it comes down to certain things like that. But it's a positive because I went and learned the script off by heart. And some of them didn't know their scripts until a week later. But I knew that that was my weakness. So I made it my number one priority to know that. And I think when we go and do jobs for like Lorraine on ITV, or we have to talk on Strictly or any sort of TV show, they see how much extra work we put in that other people wouldn't put in because they don't have that extra need to put that work in. And that's what get, always gets us that job in the end. And I think turning what is a negative, because it is negative, it, it does take you longer. Um, but turn it into a 100% positive and therefore we we'll go above and beyond and always get the jobs that people will say, oh, well, you got that because you're just really good at reading or you just got a nice smile or you just happen to be in the right place at the right time. No, 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 it's never that easy, whatever people may think. And he called me because I started Panto the day after. Yeah, he then knew, so we read so the script. Yes, yeah, so I read <laughs> <laughs> He was ready for it. I, I, I actually full-on helped me out there because he, he warned me that you're going to be doing a script reading. So I, I was like, oh, wow. So I had to start reading through the script the night before, and then I did it perfectly, so I was fine then. That's so good. I mean, that definitely does help having a sibling. Um, and Curtis, you've worked as a choreographer on RuPaul's Drag Race, and the show is well known for offering positive messages about overcoming challenging experiences. It's also about self-acceptance, from my understanding. Have you felt like you faced your own challenges being dyslexic? A hundred percent. In everything I do up to today and it, and it will be for the rest of my life like um there are a lot of things that are not easy at all that we do and it's going to be harder for me to do whether it's the reading the writing or whether it's just trying to organize things sometimes for me that's a very hard thing to do um but like i said i think it came down to my mum and dad actually they always said from a young age to us 
everyone in the world, whether you have dyslexia or whether you do not have dyslexia, we are all unique individual characters and we're all humans. Whether you have good traits or some bad traits, we all have that. Whatever you're going to do, you'll do it different than somebody else and never give up and never say you can't do it. And that's always stayed in the back of my mind whenever I do go into anything or if I start panicking and start thinking, I can't do this, what's going on? You, you, you're not reading it fast enough, Curtis, because you do end up start doubting yourself. Then I just take a breath and I think, no, you can do this. There's a way around it. It may take you a bit longer, but come on, Curtis, keep moving forwards. As long as you're moving forwards, you're going to succeed and you're going to achieve the end goal that you want, whether it takes a week, whether it takes a day, whether it takes a year. So I think that's a massive thing for me. And working on RuPaul's was truly incredible. The characters and drag queens, they were absolutely fantastic. And to actually, to see how confident and how positive and how incredible they are in drag and out of drag, that was actually very eye-opening and inspiring for me. And the time scale was. was... And we actually had, we had two days, well, they had two days to learn the dance. Or like a night and a morning. More like that, yes. Yeah. So we taught them the dance and they We just taught them the dance from like 10 p.m. to 11 p.m. the night before. Then they had like an hour or two in the morning to clean it up, to then go into full drag and then do it live for the final live. Time scale for that show was, it was just ridiculous. Oh, wow. I just, that time scale is so short. You must have been able to empathize with them picking up choreography quite quickly and understanding that people have their own ways of retaining information. Well, this was the thing, because they actually, um, one of them had done some dancing before. Yes. Yeah. The other two weren't dancers. <laughs> no. They'd never done any dancing. Oh, so no. um, it really did it open my eyes and I was like, okay. We're going to have to do this very slow, do it very clean and very clear so that it's equal for each person so they can learn it and they will learn it. And some people do take longer. And I wasn't worried about that because I was very aware that if somebody wanted some extra help or somebody wanted a little bit extra time, I'd go over, I'd give them the extra time, I'd give them some help out because that's what life's all about, being there for people. And if somebody needs a helping hand or is struggling a little bit, be there, you know, give them that helping hand. This takes us up to our show and tell feature. On our podcast, Move Beyond Words, we ask our guests to showcase an item that represents, aids or embraces their dyslexia in their life. AJ, why don't we kick it off with you? When it comes to <laughs> an item, it's really hard for me to put anything on a specific item because for me, winning competitions as a dancer felt like in that time in my life was the most important thing. So I felt I was going to grab a trophy actually what I was going to do. But <laughs> I feel like for me, what actually represents my life best right now is my smile and being happy to be where I am right now and being able to help people in all so many different situations because of the time we are in the world right now. So many people have to change their, their, the way they work, the way they do everything. And I think for me, it's just being happy so my smile, as cheesy as it may sound, this is my show and tell because I'm happy and happy to help people. I don't really have anything as well because ours, I love to perform. I love to entertain people and put a smile on people's faces. And that is what got me through all situations. So you're saying their smiles is your show and tell? 
In a weird way, yes, because whatever I do, I always am very out there for other people. I want to make other people smile, laugh, and have a good time. And that is a massive, massive motivator and key drive point for me. And that is what made me always never give up, really. Because as long as, even if I'm doing something wrong, as long as somebody's having a laugh, even if it's sort of at me, I'm putting a smile on their face and I'm making them enjoy that time that they're doing it. So for me, it's just entertaining and performing and always keeping in the back of my mind. I know I keep coming back to it, what my mum and dad say, and also my gran and granddad. <laughs> I always think to them, would they be happy with what I'm doing? <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> Let's switch a gear here. And sadly, we bring it to a close. We just want to ask you some closing questions. So in a few sentences, Curtis, what do you dream of achieving in the future? Um, what I dream, what I dream of in a few achieving in the future is actually working with AJ. I know I'm the worst I talk so much. Uh, is actually working with AJ. Um, we are best friends. We love working together. Yes, we argue all the time, but my dream would be having our own Saturday night TV program, AJ and myself presenting it and sort of just making the nation smile and have fun. Doing this. Yeah. Doing randoms, just doing great stuff all the time. Yeah, really. And just <laughs> that working. would be so fun. That's what I'd love to do in the future. And that would be a dream come true. And AJ, what advice would your younger self give to you now? I think the advice my younger self would give me was just always follow your dreams and never change that. It's just very, very coy, very simple. But I think it's something that we've always done. And it's something that I've always done. I've always followed my heart from people saying, like, why do you quit streaking? Because I felt like it was right. I've done four years. I want to move on something else, doing presenting and challenging myself in different ways. So always follow your heart because it's definitely got me in the right place where I am now. So don't don't change yeah. it. I think as kids, you dream so big, yeah. don't you? And you have these incredible mm. and And as you get older, sometimes they do shorten the thoughts yeah. and the dreams. No, I'm just a big, big kid. And I'll, I'll stay yeah. that way forever. Keep, Keep dreaming. Dreaming, guys, yeah. So, Curtis, what advice would you give to your younger self as an adult? Oh, my advice would actually be, maybe AJ is going to laugh at it, maybe be a little bit more organised, perhaps. So you're going to say maybe be a little bit more like AJ? No, <laughs> not a chance. <laughs> I love it I am. Be more organised slightly. I was, um, I was very... A very emotional character and a very so if i was training in my dancing and i was feeling really good i'd be giving a hundred percent i'd be doing the best performance ever um and i wouldn't be thinking about technique i wouldn't be thinking about writing down my schedule of lessons and writing Curtis. down this and that okay let me give you an example say if you're a dancer and this competition it's a competition for a reason Kurt would be dancing in the corner where nobody could see him but the little old granny in the corner would be very happy for a private dance but, it's a competition, you're supposed to be competing. So he would always do things definitely left wing and it would always maybe not be the right thing for the right time. And I think I may have forgot a tail suit um, and stuff. I may have Curtis forgotten. has forgotten his outfit when we've driven like four <laughs> hours somewhere. Dad's had to drive back to get it. It's like not even the organization. Of so at a tick list, that would be, what I do now is actually when I say I write things down, so I, I tick it off now. So I've made sure I've done it. I wish I did do that when I was. He's only just found the sunglasses from five days ago. (laughs) (laughs) He's found them, so that's all that matters, apparently. 
Oh, yeah. No, we are um, very attached to lists. That kind of helps us keep on track on what we need to do. And so as we look into the future, guys, is there anything coming up that we should be looking out for? We've got some exciting things happening for next year, which is really amazing, big things and relaunching some stuff, which is exciting. But for the near future, like in the next four weeks, hopefully, getting back on TV, doing more daytime with the ITV on the Lorraine show, getting back out there, if everything is obviously safe and the, the kind of current um, guidelines are still kept to regarding COVID-19, yeah. So everything just keeps, keeps moving along at the moment. It does, doesn't it? We're, we're definitely having to bend with the times, becoming quite yeah. flexible. But as we come to an end of this webinar, I just want to say on behalf of Charlotte and I, a big, big thank you to you both. It's so rare that we get to see into the lives of people that we respect and admire. So I just want to thank you both for answering the questions so openly and honestly, and to the British Dyslexia Association for holding this very important space for us all to learn more about our own experiences with dyslexia. Dyslexia is a complex label and spaces like this allow us the chance to learn just a little bit more about ourselves and and that we're not alone we'd like to take this opportunity to thank you at home today for making time to tune into this event thank you aj and curtis and the british dyslexia association once again for having us on your webinar thank you very much It's so inspiring to see two people who are thriving in their careers and absolutely embracing their dyslexia. I think what stood out to me the most was the importance of raising your dyslexia in the workplace. That's going to benefit you in some form, whether it's like AJ said, requesting a script 24 hours before the day because you need to flag that you need that extra time. That amount of preparation can enhance anyone, but because they're so aware of the fact that they have to put those strategies in place and be so diligent in preparing for opportunities, it actually enhances their end performance. This podcast is made with the wider Move Beyond Words team. Podcast production is by Niall Kalini-Taylor. Move Beyond Words project manager is Hannah Granger-Gibbs. Art and design is from Alex Colhan. PR and social media manager, Sean Gilling. And original music by Tom Parker. This series is funded by Arts Council England. <laughs>